to me, my podcast listeners, welcome to another installment of the Domovex Show featuring the talk and discussion of Marvel's mutants, the X-Men. I'm your host, Professor Dom Torres. Today, and in the house, or in this figurative house, is my partner in crime, Mr. Dylan Michael Gray. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Dominic. As always, I'm so happy to be here to be talking about Hickman X-Men. This stuff is just so awesome. I can't get over it. So thank you again, Dylan, for being on the show. Glad you're here again and feelings mutual. We are here to talk about X-Force and what this brings to the Dawn of X line of comic books. This new era of X-Men and how this incarnation of the team specifically rolls around and and coincides with all of the other X-Men titles because we have already discussed X-Men, the main book, New Mutants, and Marauders and how those titles fit into this line. And I thought this was definitely an intriguing and an interesting part of this different interpretation of the X-Force. And see, that's where it's funny you should say it's a different interpretation because honestly, I think it hits all the right notes. The thing about X-Force is it's just got to be violent. It's got to have ragtag characters and it's got to have some sort of like secret agenda kind of thing going on. And I think what Percy really brings to this that makes it his own is the fact that he what he's done with the characters and the voices he's given them is just so amazing. He hits Beast right off the bat, like perfectly, with his whole, I don't want to say pretentious, because I don't feel like he thinks he's better than people outward. Yeah, no, Beast is pretentious. Let's just say it, it's canon. Beast is pretentious, okay? And he <laughs> he he gets the voice perfectly without being over the top with it. He gets Wolverine's voice with the, you know, just the su- subtlety of Wolverine. <laughs> Because Wolverine's more about his actions than his words. He's always been like that, you know? And I could just go on for days just about his characterization, but his storytelling is just as good. And Percy was the right man for this job, for sure. And I agree. Speaking of Percy, let's go ahead and give credit where it's due before we discuss the book. X-Force, number one through six. Those are the issues that we will be covering. Story by Benjamin Percy, as mentioned. Interiors by Joshua Kassar and Steven Segovia. Colors by Dean White, Guru EFX and Rachel Rosenberg, Interior Exterior Designing by Tom Mueller, and Senior Editing by Jordan D. White. Now, the X-Force is, again, they're a team that has changed in terms of roster over the years, right? They have gone through so many different characters. Like, you've, you've had guys like Cable on the book right because this is this was a rob liefeld creation all the way back in the early 90s and going through different imaginings right you have ecstatics you have you know my one of my favorite x-force books was the rick remender x-force that came in 2010 with psylocke phantom x logan deadpool and you have other ones with yost and kyle and there's just a whole bunch of different x-force runs and they all bring something different and i like the fact that we sort of have this weird mutant cia covert ops team that percy and hickman have in installed into the new status quo yeah because they've basically turned the x-force into straight up cia that's what they are they're croatia cia the croatian agency whatever (laughs) and and they they do it so well they they and just every aspect of of it and how they how he brings all these different characters together to make one unit and work so well Right, and just all of these guys working again on the same side, like, this is part of what Hickman has brought to the X-Men universe, is that no matter if you are on the side of justice, if you are on the side of we are against you guys, or if you're somewhere in the middle, that all of these team members that you have here in this book, they're all fighting for the same cause, even though one or two characters may be stepping out of line at times which is in particular right because they're not static like they they have personalities 
And big personalities too. Everyone right. is just big in this. They're not like they're just big personalities that that see through everything they do. And it's really interesting how they all kind of blend together and work as this almost like one cell organism with all these different parts. That is a perfect way to describe it, Dylan. I couldn't have said it any better. Like we have all of these different characters and let's let's delve into that, shall we? We have Cypher and Powers of Ten number four. He created the defense systems of Krakoa and we get to see a good three fourths of that here on this X team. And the first guy I want to hit up on who is definitely an interesting mutant because he has he's he has a lot to him is beast hank mccoy one of the smartest people in the marvel universe even though he is a very much he's very much dumb sometimes but he he is an integral part of this team he definitely is the beat of x-force but yeah beast is just he beast has just been a staple of the x-men universe for as long as i can remember like this guy isn't Skies and small. His personality from the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. You know, he's always been the smart guy, no matter what. It's weird because I I know a lot of people who love Beast. I and I can definitely attest to it. It's we. I have one guy online who I'm a friend with. He goes by B Man, and I I keep saying like Beast is just one of those weird characters where I know that he is able to sort of do like ha- he has the right mentality. He wants to do the right thing and he's he's not dumb right like again he's one of the smartest guys in the marvel universe but he sometimes he just gets into positions where he's forced to make decisions and sometimes they break him it, it just happens like that and and beast is i think a microcosm of just everything like you everything you have all the right tools given to you but sometimes just doesn't work out and percy shows it in this book Definitely, definitely. And I would just like to point out the way Percy does. And I think in issue six, it really sums up what Beast is to the team. You know, he he kind of see explains how everything is like an orchestra and he's the conductor and everyone plays their different parts and it's all one song. And it's just so beautiful and well written and so Beast. You know, because that's the thing with these characters that have been around for decades and decades and decades. You know, it's it's hard to find the right voice for all these people. And when there's so many writers and so much canon and so much retcon and you're like, where where is the real person? But like, this is this is like the beast. This is the base model for how I think Beast should be seen moving forward and how he's been seen in the past. You know, Jaws Whedon wrote a really good Beast. Um, I mean, don't even get me started on Beast in the original uh, X-Men animated series in the 90s. Am I right? Am I right? Exactly. And, man, issue six, I think, really summed up why this book clicked for me during the Dawn of X, in particular to Hank McCoy and his role in this new X-Universe, right? He's summoned up to be part of this defense system, and he's one of these guys who's running this weird covert ops team that's running some shady stuff underneath to help out the island of Krakoa and just everything that he alludes to in that book when he's talking to Sage when he's talking to Gene when he's just talking to the entire team and trying to make sure that yeah he's he has this big ego but he's he's at the end of the day he's just trying to establish his his part in that knowing he's two steps ahead but also in the way that, yeah, he may have all this knowledge. He may know what he's doing at the end of the day. But man, like, I, I, he's just in over his head. I think it's like sometimes, like, we see all of these weird plant people, right? Like, Percy, what he introduces to the book, I think is really interesting to the, to the, villains that hickman and co are bringing against krakoa and this island and beast just again he just gets a just gets into he gets too much into his head sometimes and that that really just sets apart himself but also sets his downfall in some cases because yeah sure like may he may have all the knowledge in the world he may know what he's doing he's beating the drums but man talk about being a prick 
and being well, into and it, over his head. And so that far. goes back to calling him pretentious. And, you know, and, and I think, and that's what's the co- cool thing about this is no matter how strong someone is, there still needs to be a weakness. And he didn't see the whole picture as seen at the end of it. And that, that is what's really good. Because the whole time you're like, this is a badass, this is a beast. Of course he's got it all under control. He's got the master plan, but he doesn't. And that's what that's what makes the writing so good. You know what I mean? Because they trick us all. We're like, yeah, obviously, Beast's brain is OP. We got this. But nope, there's always there's one guy that just gets around him, and that's all it takes. You know, there's no reason a king could be taken out by a pawn. It can happen. Right, and and him setting up the pieces to just a be the weird de facto leader of this team just gives them this position of leverage and power to make sure that everything is right and running but man like being responsible for all these all that's happened to his team and and running through the visual gags of him rising up and falling is it's perfect beast that's that's what it is percy just gets beast at his worst and it is so nice to read like like i'm reading this and i'm like this is what i imagine beast would be like on this island like this is perfect i i i gotta i don't know if i have been i i don't know if i could have been any just more or less critical of what Percy has been doing with Beast because I think he just gets he just gets Hank at his worst and I love it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And the way the way that he makes him like interact with Wolverine is is really interesting, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like Wolverine's trying to come at it as like kind of just like a point me like you're you're the gunman. I'm the bullet, point me and shoot kind of thing. And Hank wants him to be a little bit more, you know, you got to be a little bit more finesse with it, you know? And that's where Kid Omega kind of comes in. Even though finesse isn't something I would say uh, he has. No. (laughs) And speaking of Kid Omega, we also get introduced to him in the book. He's one of the team, he's one of the team members. He's one of the X-Force team members. And Kid Omega, he had his uprise and creation all the way back to morrison's new x-men run where hickman does take a lot from it and the fact that mutants are becoming the culture and now they're the actual culture and kid omega again hails from that era and now he's brought into here i love how he's introduced in issue two like we get logan and he's trying to find this or find domino because she's been she was missing and freaking Kid Omega is just fooling around with this dude. He's working at this guy who's working at the airport, just moves over a cup of coffee, gets to stay. It's it's awesome. And and we get to see Kid Omega. He's just chilling out. He's got his he's got his hand on. I, I love it. <laughs> it was a perfect introduction to his character. Yeah, and I I know I've known of Kid Omega and all of his psychic weaponry, as they say. Uh, but this was like the first time I've actually like read him. Read him. This was the first time I actually got to see like a little bit more personality and the way he kind of uses the world to his advantage. You know what I mean? Yep. It's it's perfect because I think there's a that that visual gag of him getting <laughs> getting bludgeoned by. Whoever is next to him is just a part of what he, I think, what he is now in in this book. But it's also just nice to see him interact with with Logan and all the other team members because he's just he's just being this pretentious douche, and and Logan hates it and the rest of the team hates it. It's it's like he he bounces off these characters perfectly. So you'll have that hilarious gag where he'll be like. Hey, I I think it, it might be here, or something might be here, or like, oh, I don't got claws like you, Logan, and and Logan's just like, well, you have, you know, you have two, two freaking two hands, like, just go fight yourself, like, don't don't be a, don't be scared. I love it. Right. Yeah. No. And uh, it's really interesting to see how he, 
like you call it pretentious. I call it just straight up cocky asshole. Like that's all it is. <laughs> and, and and he, I have to admit, he does back it up a lot. But as we see in that scene that you're talking about, where he's depowered inside, and it's all up to Logan to kind of like fight their way in and out. You know, you kind of see this other side, this this vulnerable side. You know, where where he can't back up all the shit talking he's been doing. And I think that that was a really cool kind of angle to kind of see it from him. And like, right, it's like even what's like under... when they meet Forge, and Forge is like yeah. handing out weapons for everyone. He's like, Psh, I don't need weapons. He's like, okay, fine. And then he's like, what? Well, well, I mean, you can at least show me. You know, I want to see something. Like, come on, guys. Like, at the end of the day, I think he he pushes everyone away, but he still wants to be accepted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why I else agree. would he be working and with th- this team when he quote unquote doesn't need anybody? Right, like if he, if he can just be a loner, like why doesn't he just get his own book? Like Kickman can just say, "Oh, hey, give this guy to some writer, have him write him for a one shot or something, it'd be over with." But no, give there's... him a giant, yeah, Kid Omega Giant. Let's get a Kid Omega Giant. That's what I'd like to see. Kid Omega <laughs> Giant size X Men in twenty twenty one. If we get any more, at Jonathan Hickman, please and yes. Yeah, I I agree. Like, Kid Omega, and this is this is the part of what you said when you peel away all the layers, like what's underneath all of that cockiness. It speaks volumes to how Percy is able to to give depth to these characters amidst all of the grit and grind of what this book brings. Kid Omega is clearly this pretentious douchebag, and. The way that he's able to use it to able to bring that innate sense of selfishness because he knows that he doesn't need anybody. He does because he has all of these powers and peeling away that when his powers are taken away, when he doesn't have the strength or whatever else it may be. It's always fun to see those characters sort of get peeled away so you know that there's still some sense of something underneath all of that tick like that thick and tough skin it's it's just good to see that i was able to see something out of kid omega because it's i think it's been it's been a good time since i've i've read him in an actual x book and knowing here and what his role is on the team and and the fact that hey like i'm going to be the gag that Oh yeah, like yeah, I look at me guys, like I'm all strong, I'm all tough, like look at me, but then you peel all away like what's underneath and, and the fact that he has something inside of his heart, albeit it may not be butch or it may not be good all the time, it's still refreshing to know that Kid Omega does have something there. It's it's awesome to see. Yeah, and very subtle. Very subtle. Unlike, That's you right. know, this the, he didn't really bring very much subtlety to what Domino went through at all. No, he didn't. No, he <laughs> did that, not. He did not. That was a really, really cool idea. So, first of all, let's talk about the security system of Croatia. Hello, you have this natural, organic security system. Okay, that's around. Wait, the wait, whole wait, wait, wait. You said like, you said Croatia. We we met Krakoa. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay, sorry. Oh my god. We'll cut gosh. that. Let's cut that. We're yep. just going to start over. So let's talk about the security system of Krakoa. Okay? We're talking about a techno-organic thing done to down to the most amazing... Se- they have spores, Dominic. Spores floating around a dome around the entire thing. So anything that comes in its vicinity, it not it knows exactly what it is. And it could tell you who it is if it's a mutant. Okay? And that's how they penetrate their system they literally these bad guys who like we, we still really don't know who they are they they skin graph freaking domino skin to them so that when they go through the spores when they see get into uh krakoa the spores the island everybody there oh it's domino it's okay that's weird that she's not coming through a portal but whatever it's her that's what the spores say they're not wrong and then boom we got an elite black ops squad of superhumans up in uh, Krakoa. And I swear, that's one thing I love too about this book is that it may be this new era for the X-Men where they're all happy and, and everybody is enjoying their time on the island. But there's something 
outside that could get to the island. And the way that Percy brings these anti-mutant groups with all these face masks and the opening action scene where Domino gets captured, it just, it's awesome. Like, I love the way that Percy brings these guys into the forefront and just assures us that, hey, like, Krakoa has, it's set up in this way that they have something to defend themselves, right? Like, but there's not, there's not much to the defense system. Like, we, like, they're getting infiltrated by these groups of superhumans who do have domino skin. And the fact that they just need to get their stuff together to make sure that, you know, again, none of this ever happens. Like, you don't want baddies to go around your island trying to get in and and shoot everybody down like you know that's that's not so that's not what Krakoa needs like they need to do a they need to do a better job of just securing everything inside and I I love this opening scene where you have you know the, the airplane the airplane hacking and and everybody dropped him with the parachute. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna infiltrate. And Black Koa. Tom Cassidy's face that can show up anywhere on the island at any time. <laughs> How about that? I love Black Tom in this book. Yeah, like, let me tell you, I seriously like, because like, the joke forever. I don't know if you know this, but the joke forever was that Black Tom Cassidy's power was just being best friends with the Juggernaut. So it's really cool that we get to see him actually play a real role and not just some you know antagonistic kind of second third banana kind of thing you know like so has he, yeah, that, so, hey, he's been in the past yeah so instead of we instead of oh hey i'm the juggernaut no like we're not getting that like we're getting hey i i can use my plants to c- help communicate with the island to help foster it to help curate this land and also you know to help the professor out like if he needs something if Xavier needs him to use the plants in a certain fashion or direction or to direct something, like Black Tom is there to help you. And it is And be an asshole about it. <laughs> and that too. I love the fact that again, these are not stick figures that Percy is that, that Percy are right. Like Percy is writing these characters and molding them into the roles that they're going to have in Krakoa. And <laughs> Man, like Black Tom will get you. Black Tom makes sure that you know he's like he's all up and making like he's all proud and just being. Hey, like I'm gonna make sure that I defend the professor and everything else is hopefully safe. But man, like let me tell you, like the the overall well decision that they made in the first issue of this book, it got it got me jarred. Like I remember reading that when when the book first came out. I think it was man only back in November. First week of November, when I first read the book, and issue one, that like that ending got me. I was like, "They killed the professor in issue one." Like, talk about daring, being daring in storytelling. Like, after Black Tom is all like, hey, "Professor, listen to me, run away as far as possible," and then, you know, the 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 humans they get on the island. Then they assassinate the you know the professor. Man, it 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 got me. I, I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> Especially like no. so, so early on. Like wow. Like talk well, about And they and they, they I remembered like halfway through that this was all pre uh foreshadowed in Hawkspox, right? Let's talk about that, eh? Like how did we get that pre-shadowing of the professor being assassinated in House of X, Powers of Ten. Well, that's why he sent... This, wait, hold on. I thought we were still talking about Domino. Sorry. <laughs> I got so, sidetracked. Yeah. Okay, so no, there wasn't, was, there wasn't foreshadowing in there, was there? No. Okay, my bad. Um, okay. I was completely doing the wrong thing there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. okay. So, so, so where are we? Yeah, he so- got. Okay, so he get he gets assassinated. Boom. That's the end of yep. the first yep. issue. Okay. Um, and first issue. right. Yeah. Well, so go on from there. Yeah. Ta- 
Okay, were you talking about how they the resurrection protocols yet? Have we gotten into that? No, no, no. I was just saying, like, what did you like? What your what your thoughts on it were and all that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, I, okay, okay. So let's just so uh, give me give me a lead in give me a lead in question so we can the okay, edit sure. can be good. Yeah, just talk about Derek Derek's storytelling because again, I I remember reading it all the way back, and I was like. I did not expect the professor to get killed so early in this run well, at all. No, uh, see, because I read it differently than than you did. You read it literally issue by issue. I waited. I trade waited. Yes, I'm that guy. Uh, I trade waited so I can read the whole thing and sit down. And I had already read Marauders and X-Men before this. So I kind of already knew that it was going to happen. So it wasn't a surprise. But let me tell you. I didn't think it would be that quickly into X-Force. I thought it would be a later issue. I did not expect it to be right off the bat, Professor Xavier getting murdered. That was like, are you serious right now? Like, what is happening? And seeing him die was such like a... Like, I knew everything was going to be okay because I've, I've read f past this. But I was just like, like, what are they... How are they going to do this? How are they going to make this work? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's the... He's the cloud, right? Like, that's how they do all the resurrection protocols. Yep, he has everyone's mind in there. So how how do they do that? How do they fix this? What Where's the backup for the backup? Is there even a thing? What? How are they going to do this? It's like when you have your two terabyte hard drive and then it gets infected by some virus or it just completely crashes on you. And then your hard drive's gone because you can't like you can't recover it. Like it's gone. Like all the data there is just taken away because it it got whooshed. And so the question is, are you going like where's your where are you gonna find your backup files? Where are you gonna say, Hey, like let I mean we need to get any part of this back. And yeah, like he has the cerebro helmet and Xavier holds he is the key. He's the person who runs Krakoa. And he's the one who makes sure that everything is up and running. And, like, how are you, so how are you supposed to resurrect him? How are you supposed to bring him back to life? Because we, we all know that the professor is not dead. Like, we have protocols for this, but... Right. And we know because we've read X-Men and Marauders that he's still alive. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so, that's so, they, so we get a reference back into X-Men. You know, in X-Men number four, like, we already see the professor take off his cerebral helmet and we see, oh, hey, it's the actual professor. It's not Cassandra Nova. It's not anybody else that we think or it may or may not be. It's the actual Earth 616 Charles Francis Xavier. So I like the way that Beast and, and now Jean Grey, because Jean, she's also a, a very important part of the X-Men universe. She was a and written so freaking well oh my god they're doing such a good job with her none of this bs over overpowered no 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 more freaking drama with with all the boys like it's just like straightforward gene kicking ass and that's what i love to see this might be this is my favorite iteration of gene gray hands freaking down and the costume oh my god the costume, I love it. It's going so retro and yet at the same time being something new. You know what I mean? And that's ah, so good, so good. I feel you on that, right? Like she's over here, she's helping Beast and Logan and whoever else is on whoever else is on X Force. But man, like I love it when we have good fight stuff and Jean brings it all to the table, and I'm I'm glad that she gets something to do here. It's it's awesome. Like I'm. I'm sort of over the tiring fact of like the last two or three decades of will she or won't she or won't she with with Scott and you know she gets married and then she dies and and then right. Emma gets thrown in there and then there's like this whole weird love triangle and then it's like and then Cable's their kid and then yeah and then they when they do have a girl with Logan like in Earth X it's like that she's unhappy and wishes she was still with Scott like it's. It's she's always just to me been written terribly. It's, it's a whole I've bunch heard, of stuff. Yeah, I've I've heard that in X Men Red and Gold and all that era she was written pretty well because they didn't go into the stupid like Phoenix stuff Weird, and yeah love triangle yeah I, and yeah, love no, triangle yep, stuff. No. It was a whole new thing and I thought that was that's good. 
that's good. Because I've always been pro Emma Scott anyways. But they made it work. They made it work for everyone, you know? Just, I feel, it's there's just a whole lot of... I One thing I, I will say that I appreciate about this Hickman era of X-Men is the fact that there's much less soap opera. I get that's why people sort of get into X-Men. It's the we're all oh, the the it's but yeah here it's like it's much less drama, it's much more let's flesh out let's figure out who these characters are what their roles mm-hmm. are instead of oh like oh she's she's banging with this guy and oh like this guy's scared that she's gonna bang with this guy or he's gonna go yeah. with her and vice versa they have or, so, they have bigger problems to worry about you know leave the small problems for the new mutants you know let's have the big problems for these guys you know. <laughs> Exactly, and and speaking of problems, the way that they all bring together after Xavier does eventually get resurrected, I love the fact that Beast and and Jean are the ones who eventually went out. They got the backups. They made sure that Xavier was in the resurrection protocol husk, and he got out nice and safe, and he's back in the form. I thought that was awesome to see, and him coming out, man, like that. That scene where Magneto is supposed he's outside Manhattan and he's supposed to be talking to all of these different reporters and and they're like Magneto Magneto is, is Xavier dead like the the guys assassinate him and Professor X just comes out of that that gateway and he's like I'm I'm here to speak for myself and I I thought that was dope and then seeing how he needs this mutant cia covert ops whatever it may be to make sure that all of the missions are handled safely but to have this defense system so that nothing like right. this ever happens again it's dope like the creation it's, of the team is dope <laughs> it's that well and it, it speaks volumes to what they're trying to do you know they're trying to make a nation there's so many facets to that you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying just like like in civil war there were so many facets to that, you know, because they had the politics, the actual war fighting. They had the, um, in one of the side stories, there's a Wolverine side story of Civil War where it's about extradition and, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, this is, like, this is what makes Marvel kind of stuff good is because they have have their characters so grounded on Earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, yeah, they yep. have superpowers. Yeah, they've been to space and other universes and dimensions and all that stuff. But at the same time, but at the end of the day, they're on Earth and they have Earth problems and they have to solve them the Earth ways. And that's really cool. You know, they gotta have their economics. Yeah, it, yeah. They gotta have their. They gotta have their security. They gotta have their army. They gotta have their intelligence going and spies and all that stuff. Because the reason nations have to have spies is to make sure that they're protected. And that's what it comes down to. And that's what they had to think about. And to that point, can I also say that we're still getting that Hawks Pox vibe of anti-human, pro-mutant-only politics and bringing that flavor and bringing that sort of mentality, putting it into this book? Because, it's again, it's clear that mutants just are... They just don't want humans in. Especially after... We get Why would Xavier's they? Humans are the worst. Humans are the worst. And I think Magneto says it the best in X-Men. He's like, we're playing your game and we're going to beat you at it because we're superior. We are the superior species. And you have to recognize that. No more, None of your pettiness is ever going to work anymore. We're going to buy you all. And we're going to just like, and we're just trying to buy you just so we can live because we want to be protected. Right, and, and of that protection, it's why they need this mutant CAA is to make sure that nothing like Xavier's assassination ever happens again. An attack, as, as Apocalypse said it, an attack on Xavier is an attack on all of us, just like That's Sebastian. Right. Yeah, just like Sebastian Shaw. If he gets Any attacked. Exactly. exactly. And that, you, that speaks volumes, too. Like, if we're going to, like, you know reference the entire allegory which is x-men which is the civil rights like when when malcolm x when when martin luther king when these guys were killed and and assassinated that was an attack on their movement and this, this is the same thing here they didn't they attacked and killed xavier to not hurt xavier to hurt all of mutants yeah it's just it brings over this sort of we will stand with you because you are, you know, there, you know, again, Xavier is 
the embodiment. <laughs> he started all of this. Well, technically Moira, but Xavier. Let's be real. This was Moira. Yeah. This is like yeah. they're getting the credit because they got the powers and and everything and the reach. But like this was all Moira. This is a Moira plan here, and that's that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. That is a deep into a conversation that we won't get into, but. Xavier, again, he is the guy who is essentially running all of Krakoa and making sure that everything is well. And him assuring that a mutant CIA force is needed with all of the politics that Hickman brought in and Hawkspox being embellished here in the X-Force and assuring that, hey, that we are going to make sure that, hey, you're like, we're assuring that we here as a nation, we're going to stay and we're going to have, have you guys. We're going to have Beast. We're going to have Domino. We're going to have Wolverine. We're going to have our, all of our big toughies make sure that we are safe. And That's right. To, Not and just it, the toughies, the smarties, too. You know what I'm saying? There's a like, reason. Yep. The people that they can trust on it. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why like, when you're having a, a, a covert ops spy organization, why wouldn't you want a shapeshifter like Mystique on there? Well... Because you can't trust Mystique, you know? <laughs> that's why she's not there. You so. cannot trust Mystique. Nope. Can't. You can't. They but know that's why that she's yeah. literally two-faced. Like, literally. Like, she can, she's multiple, multi-faced. Multi-faceted. <laughs> multi-faceted, yes. Indeed, Dylan. I, I get you on that point. But that's why we have Beast and Sage running. Because you know that you can mostly... I say mostly because Beast does, again, screw up hard sometimes. But he's a, again, he's a regular X-Men character and he has a smart. So having him as this underground operating man, it makes sense. Xavier making this team into what it is makes sense. All of these guys on this team make sense. Like Wolverine being the grit of it all alongside Domino. Well, seeing Wolverine on any X-Force incarnation, again, it brings me back to the Rick Remender Uncanny X-Force run where Wolverine was definitely very much at the heart of the grit and nits of all of the blood that's spewing out. And a lot of these fight scenes where Wolverine is just trying to claw at these weird weird folks... It's it's awesome to see Logan back and springing into action, knowing that like yeah he's here to stay. And and for for Wolverine fans, like this is awesome. Like you get to see your character out here clawing his way out and being all of this like smiley hunk of goo and junk. Having Logan back is awesome. I think it was just trying is this what I'm trying to say? And and definitely. Him, I mean, and not to diminish, not to diminish, uh, Laura run. Uh, Laura, aka X twenty three, running as the Wolverine. Wolverine she is now. She is. She is she's Wolverine, I'm, but <laughs> hands down, <laughs> she is Wolverine. And oh, when are they going to bring and, her and back? She, I can't. She, can we just talk about Logan's. what are they going to do with her? Like, right? She's off doing some crazy extra dimensional shit right now. Like, what? Maybe after. Maybe that after. Maybe after that crazy extra dimensional stuff. She can go run up to Beast. She comes back and says, "Hey, Logan over here. He he ain't it. He's just he's not cutting it. I I don't know. I I would like to see <laughs> some like sort some of straights, oh some man, straight sort of up set tripping on him. Like, nope, I'm I'm going. Like, I'm bro. going next. Oh man, like, we're just gonna go all head in and be like, yo, Lo- Logan's just not cutting it. Like, I don't think this guy has it in him <laughs> anymore. <laughs> literally, literally cutting it, not cutting it. Literally, no, literally <laughs> piercing through with those claws. Those, and I remember like all the way back. I think it was a couple of. I just can't. Re- I don't remember what what it was, but there was like one issue where Wolverine had flaming hot claws. It was just for that one issue. And people oh, were yeah. talking about it, and I was like, can, can that save Wolverine, get those same hot claws, and just tear people up with those and X-Force? Yeah, what like, was that? the deal with that? And I think there was some spec on that book, too, because they were talking about how, oh, this is his new power, and the first time he's ever using it. So I'm sure there was some speculation on there, for sure. And then they never use it again. That's the funny thing about all those kinds of things, you know? 
Yeah, so I, as far as I'm concerned, and this is again, this isn't tied into anything X Force. It's just something that I, I had off the top of my head. I think mm-hmm. all the way back in Return of Wolverine, with I think it was Charles Scholl. I think it was Charles Charles Soule yes, who wrote it. That's right? who wrote it. Yeah, he wrote the death and the return. Man, yeah, yeah. Wolverine's not dying. Like spoiler alert. Like no one dies. Like, yeah. get over it. No one dies. And literally, <laughs> Hickman has figured out the way to make fun of it and make it work in the story form. It, with the it's so be- right? like, it's, it could be used as a gag. It could be used as this. Or used as a powerful storytelling tool because it forces, like I said earlier, it forces writers to earn their books. You can't just kill exactly. off people anymore. Like, like it's, with the with the with the backup for the backup for Professor Xavier. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's probably why they did it so early to show them, like, look, we've thought of everything, guys. You can't you can't at me for nothing. Every hole is plugged. Okay. <laughs> you can't like. It's like, what are you supposed to, like, you, of course, like, Xavier is going to come back, but we now have a system where everything's cogged in, and I like the fact that this book sort of delves into more exploration of the resurrection protocols and how, so like, taking out Xavier is something problematic because, again, you need him to run this very, very important mm-hmm. part of Krakoa. Make More Mutants is yeah. embodied into mutant law this is part of the society that they built in that they brought up and which is an interesting thing because that is a major thing in almost every religion you know Mm -hmm. go forth and be fruitful you know and so it's an interesting kind of goes back to the new god complex of the whole Mm x-men going forward and everything and how they i mean magneto just straight up thinks he's a god now xavier kind of has more of a humbling tone about it but magneto is just nope that's it we're gods deal with it kind of thing yeah you can't yeah you can't just you they try to stop us right and yeah i i'm glad that magneto and xavier and all the others showed up in this book to see again how this is all going to tie in with the rest of the dawn of x books but i like it in the fact that it still has that hawks pox tone Again, like we said earlier, with all the mm-hmm. mutants continuing to say yeah. "screw mutant," like "screw," like all the mutants saying "screw humans," like I, like you read the text, and Kid Omega is just like we, we already we already talked about how he was a pretentious a hole earlier, but man, right. like this guy, this guy is on like another freaking next level about mutant superiority. And how well he? he I, I, how about just him superiority? Like, let's just be real. He just thinks he's superior to everyone Quentin else. Quentin superiority. You know? We need to coin that and put it in omega these levels. <laughs> omega level superiority complex. <laughs> Literally. Coded by Quentin Choir, aka the one and only Kid Omega, because there can only be one, right? There can be <sighs> only one. I. If I'm not mistaken, I think I read him one other time, If now that I think about it, in Age of X-Men, which was a really fun really? little event that they had, but it just it didn't, it didn't pan out. Yeah, and I think he was in there, but yeah. I can't remember what he was doing. I think he might have been in, like, j- the jail or something. And, um, yeah. You know what, X just prison. for that, I want to say that we will we will go into some review of Morrison new X-Men because I, I do wanna I would oh, wanna see where yes. Kid Omega gets comes his, from? Yeah, sort of where he like gets his cockiness from. Because that, I think that's the most important like is this is is Kid Omega just always this A like A plus level A hat? Like is that is that his is that his whole stick? Uh, but yeah like I I love the fact that he's just like freaking I'm here because mutants are superior and like I'm superior too, and and again I think he was just one of the the best additions to this book, and because he just brings all of that. Well, a he 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 bounces off again. He bounces off against everybody on this team, but he just embodies that screw screw humans mentality that yeah most of Krakoa has been preaching for the last year or so. So. Right. I I'm all I'm all into Kid Omega being an X Force team member. If that's what, if that's what it's, if that's what it's gonna yeah. take, like like well no, 
For sure, like he sh- he should be. He he's smart. He knows how to hack. He knows how to blow shit up. He knows how to talk to people. He knows how to do it all. You know, and that of course he should be on the intelligence co- covert ops team. Like that's that's a no brainer. You're not gonna have him go talk as on diplomatic missions. That's for sure. <laughs> oh man, like I, I I can just imagine. Let's just say, like, I think we had an issue six where Xavier and Beast were talking with uh, Terra Verde's president or one of their leaders, and they're they're trying to discuss, hey, like, yeah, we're aligned with Krakoa and all that, drugs, blah, 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 blah. Like, you put in Kid Omega there, like, let's just switch out Beast for Kid Omega, and Kid Omega's with Professor X, and they're trying to make some sweet negotiations on some drugs so that the two countries could be aligned. Just imagine all the stuff that he'd be running out of his mouth. Like, let's just say the politicians are like, oh, hey, like, we agreed to this deal, and is there any more that you can give us? And Kid Omega would just be like, you guys are freaking thick skulls for asking for more. We're already giving you all these. I I would like to see... (laughs) I'd like to see more kid omega and wolverine conversations if i had to choose between any like those two just yeah just push off each other so well it's very fun Seriously. to read <laughs> and yeah you can... and they both they both push each other's buttons too in like a playful kind of f you kind of way but like i oh absolutely it's weird yeah. is there is there there is a there there's respect there between kid omega and wolverine but there is also like they don't want to respect each other but they do kind of thing like they help they can't not respect each other but they absolutely wish they couldn't right it's like exactly. a forced i think yeah a forced respect that they 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 share because they they see what they're they're worth and everything you know like what these two are looking at right like like wolverine again is this he's very hard grit hard nose like logan is just that type of guy but he has, again, he has that grit, grittiness and mentality. But yeah, Kid Omega will get under your skin and seeing him get under Logan's skin and, and vice versa. It's just fun to watch, especially like when they're when they're fighting <laughs> all these weird, weird dudes. Like a, a right. lot of these conversations between Gene and again, all the rest of them is what makes this book so great. It's... Seeing how everybody sort of plays against each other, whether it's Gene or Beast, whether it's Logan or Beast, whether it's Black Tom or Sage, it's it's relationships in this book. Despite again all of the grittiness and tremors that this that this book is making because of the setting that it's in, it's what makes X Force such a compelling read. It's all of the people on the team. It's the people who construct the team and make it beat like a drum is what sets X-Force in apart from many of other, other Marvel books, many other Marvel team books. Like that's Definitely. what you want, right? It's what you want yeah. in a, it's what you want in a team book. It's, it's as simple as that. Well, yeah. And, and see the thing about team books is you either got to give them a really good story, which honestly, if I'm being honest, yep. I'm not too, it's pretty boilerplate. There's bad guys, want to kill mutants, here's the mutant badasses, go kill them kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Basic story there, you know, it's but it's how it's told, you know, through the eyes of the characters, you know. Because building a team, you got to build the characters, right? And he does it in such a great way, hands down. Yeah, you get, exactly. Like, you bring up Beast, like, of course, like, he's going to try to get 16 million steps ahead of everybody else. It's just who he is as a character. Like... Plants and oh, we have this anti-mutant group. Like yeah, like we get we get that that's been done before. Like it's nothing, nothing new or distinguishing from different X-Men runs and ongoings. But it's how you tie Beast into saying that I am the drum. X-Force cannot live without me. This is why I'm always three steps ahead. This is why I always am able to come out on top. Like it's those types of types of character beats that you want in a book to make it work. That is what, again, like you've said, sets apart X Force 
from this array. Because if, if all the characters were shallow, I believe in my heart that X-Force would just be another random ordinary book, just one to put on the shelf, just one to collect. Like, who cares about that? But the 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 way that Percy is able to push through with Domino, with Jean, with Beast, with Logan, it is just heartwarming to see all of my characters back into the Definitely. limelight in this new weird era but it's how these guys play a role against the plants against the humans and seeing all of them quote go together it's it's, it's a awesome. symphony it's a symphony right <laughs> you say the, the beats the drums are beating beast will tell you first yes and don't oh, just take my word for it as Hank McCoy. <laughs> TM. And uh, I, I am always... Hank is never wrong. He'll let you know. Where, or is he always wrong? I, I have no idea. But yeah, it's... I love his beast. I, I don't I don't even know if there's really anything to say other more than... That. But yeah, the, these characters are all fleshed out. And they all have their specific roles on the team. And it's just beautifully played out that way. It, it honestly is. Hail to the yeah. And as we always say throughout all of these podcasts, I cannot wait to read what comes next. Hmm. Are we, uh, do we have anything else wait, to cover? Hello? You cut do off. Do we have anything? Yeah, no, that was it. I was like, I can't wait to see what we read next. That was the end of my thing. I can't wait to see what Percy brings next at the table i just all also... these all of these writers everything all all of these books are just they're blowing me away left and right and i couldn't think i'd be so invested in uh such a long-term series and such a widespread kind of thing but i totally am i totally am there has not been one thing that i've read that i didn't like hands down right amen to that and amen to that now i also have to give a huge shout out to joshua kasara for making the art fit the tone that Percy is trying to bring to the book because Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of the dualistic style and approach that you need for when you want to make a book right I think the the story that you're telling also has to match the art of the person who's drawing it and Joshua Kassara brings a lot of that grittiness that the, the blood stains and all of this sort of weirder, not weirder, but the just overall muddy. But Blood, good... bullets, and blades. That's what you need for an X-Force book. And he does it in spades, hands down. He kills it. He kills it. It's awesome. I, it's I don't dope. think, yeah, and that's that's what people don't seem to get. And, like, I, we'll go back to the, the Yost stuff, you know what I mean, and the Clayton Crane stuff. Like, you got to, mm-hmm. you, you, you need some you need some of that just show me, show me the death and murder. I want to see blood splatter. I want to I want to see Kassar arms getting jaws. broken. That's, yeah. that's what X-Force is about. Like, even back in the day, like, they didn't show it like they did because, you know, the, the comic book authority. But... It was there. It was off panel, you know, but you knew what was happening. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, Rain Sinclair is ripping somebody's spine out. You know, it's happening. <laughs> oh, man, that that too. The disfiguring of the team members happens quite often. Definitely. Man, like Kasara just gives it an extra sort of pack and punch. Like, that's what you need. Like, you need these guys going through hell. And X Force is all about that hell, and I'm I'm here to read it. Like Pissar just brings it to another. Like it's awesome. Like we need, we need. I want. Like I think it was in issue four where Wolverine is just grinning and he has this like angry smile, but he has half of his body body cut off. But it's just drawn in such a way that I'm just like, yo, I I want more of that X Forcey type of vibe. I, yeah, it, it's like Kassara just works for this book. It's definitely consistent in terms of tone. I think that if you get again, if you get more disfiguring, like I, that that that's perfect for what this book's supposed to be. And yeah, the, without going too far, you know, and that's the catch. You don't. You gotta have some grime. You gotta have some grit. But you gotta have some blood. You gotta have 
explosions and bullets flying and arms getting cut off by swords and, and Wolverine, but you still, you can't go too far, okay? You can't go crossed with it, you know what I'm saying? You can't go, you can't no. even go freaking die, 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 like that far even, you know what I'm saying? There's there's a certain kind no, of aesthetic ki- that needs to go with this, you know, without going to, without going max. There we go, that's the easiest way to say it. We don't need to go max with it. We don't need to go max, but Kassar again, yeah, he, he holds himself to that standard, I, I and I love it, and I, I completely agree. There's 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 nothing nothing that makes me happier than a book and and the art story all matching together in one slide. Were there any one or two moments from the book that stood out to you? Did you have any favorites that you said, "Oh snap! Like I love this part. Like this book wants me to." Or did you have any of those? Well, definitely, definitely the the beast issue where he's you know talking about how he sees the team and how he's the conductor. Definitely the Wolverine, half Wolverine part is awesome. And how Forge like squishes him back together. That was great. Forge <laughs> just all the techno, techno organic. Techno baba. Yes. Yeah. It's just so awesome. And, and just, yeah. I mean, like I said, with the character work in this book is what stands out the most to me, hands down. And that, that's, I think Percy's strong suit and still being able to be, Violent, like, good job, bro. Good job. Like a a plus, mate. And I think for mine, I'd have to choose Domino and Wolverine. They're just drinking yeah. a beer together and enjoying life outside on the sunset. I thought that was dope. Like that I like was seeing, nice. Yeah. No, they they've been together before in an X Force book, actually. Yep. And like, who's the lucky one there? Am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yes, it's always just nice seeing two characters just enjoy sunset. Like that's dope, especially like yeah. with a with a cold beer too. <laughs> like, we, yeah, we need. It's all those are awesome and needed in in these kinds of lives that they live of of the covert ops and everything. You know, like yeah, those you need. Moments yeah, if you're gonna have Logan important. in any book, you need beer. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, that yeah, no, that is definitely canon. Logan needs you, beer. Like, Bender no needs beer, beer for sure. Yep. <laughs> if there is no beer, you have failed as a Wolverine writer. I'm gonna yep. say that outright. No. Hands down. Like, okay, like, when you're a kid's cartoon, I will give you a pass. Okay. But like, come on. Any other time, any comic, parental advisory, man. Like, yeah, you need the beer. <laughs> you need the. You need them. Sipping well, even if he's just drinking a bottle of root, it has to be a root beer. Any kind of beer, it has to be beer, hands down. Mm-hmm. That's it. Even if you make it obvious, like he's drinking a bottle, and he's like, "What are you drinking?" Like, oh, it's root beer. Like, yeah, but you have to. It has to be a beer. If he was to go to the Harry Potter universe, but butter beer all day long. You know what I'm saying? It's got to be beer. Wolverine beer, canon. Period. Amen. Don't at me. Yes, we're gonna put a stamp at that. Do not add Dylan. But you know what you can do? Um, Actually, you know what? Let, let me let me take that out. But yes, agreed on you there, bud. But speaking of that, I'd like to thank all of you folks, whoever's out there listening to the podcast, for tuning in to the Dom of X. I'd like to thank my awesome peeps at the Grand Geek Gathering for hosting and producing the podcast, please go and check them out at thegrandgeekgathering.com. Go listen to all of my peers' podcasts and creator content on there. You guys will not regret it. 100%. They are awesome. You guys need to hear all of them. They have been nothing but great. They're all good. On that note, please go check them out. And i also like to, again, thank my great friend Dylan for co-hosting this podcast for me and talking about X-Force. Thank you for coming on the show again, mate. <laughs> for sure. I'll, bro, I, I absolutely love doing this. I wish we could hang out more in real life. And hopefully this pandemic will be over. We can start recording face with, right next to each other. You know, that'd be great. Like, let's get that on. And let's talk about X-Force in live, in person. That would be dope. But anyways, guys, thank you again so much for listening. Please go check us out at the Dom of X studio on twitter and instagram you can follow dylan on at mr dylan gray on live it instagram twitter and all platforms 
All respective designs for the episodes were co-created and headed by my very good friend Maruf. You can follow him on Instagram at Maruf, M-A-R-U-F, 99designs. Thank you again all so much for listening beyond the island of Krakoa with your very own professor the next time.